This is Pastor Devin, and I just want to say thanks for joining us, and I hope and pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. We are in our last uh, week of our series that we've entitled Integrity here at the church, and uh, if you're just joining us, I'll give you a quick review, a refresher. Um, We're looking at this definition of integrity in our lives, and it's this, the quality and condition of being whole and complete. Being whole and complete. I think all of us would say that we would like for wholeness, completeness to be in our lives. And then beyond that, this idea that integrity brings with it capacity to our lives. We can handle more with integrity. This, this podium here has the integrity to hold my weight. It can handle it. Uh, we long to have capacity in our lives as individuals, as a church. We're looking at how we can bring integrity into our lives so that God can entrust us with more, and so that we can better handle what he's already entrusted to us. So we've been looking at six characteristics of integrity. We've looked at uh, four of the six over the last two weeks. Connect authentically, operate in reality, results, the measurement of what you're accomplishing, and then engaging uh, the negative. And if you want copies of those messages, you can get them at the back. They'll give those to you, and you can enjoy those if you want to get caught up. But this week, We end up with the final two, and we've been paralleling those characteristics alongside a story out of Exodus chapter 18 where Moses encounters a place in his life, in his leadership, where he realizes a lack of capacity to handle what God's entrusted to him, and his father-in-law comes to visit him and starts to impart some wisdom to him, and he adheres to his advice. It's an amazing uh, interaction there because, you know, Moses... Raised in the palace, he's been around royalty from childhood, and his father-in-law, who was a shepherd, comes and shows up and starts to deliver wisdom to him, and he listens to him. So we pick this story up in Exodus chapter 18, and we start with our fifth characteristic of integrity, and it's this, increase, always be growing. Connect authentically, operate in reality, results, engage the negative, and then this, increase, always be growing. Verse 20 of chapter 18 says this, Jethro says to Moses, teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. Uh, It's assumed that Moses knows God's decrees. Um, That he had to know already what God wanted to be instructed. How many know that comes uh, with time spent with the Lord? Um, Moses knows the decrees of God and the instructions that God would like to deliver through him because he's spent time with the Lord and because he's pursuing personal growth in his life. Uh, The reality is if you're not pouring anything new into your life, there's nothing new coming out of your life, only past experience and memories. Something new needs to be coming into your life because your ministry to those that you work with, to your family. Your ministry is the overflow of what God is doing in your own personal life. So if there's no overflow, you're at best functioning at less than your potential or being less than fully effective for sure. What do you do with your time? It's a very simple question. Are you increasing? Are you looking, would you look at your life, would you say, I'm growing? Um... How much time do you spend in prayer and in study and in reflection and in worship? 
how about this? How many books have you read in the last six months? Huh? This is critical to leadership and growing your capacity. Here's what I know. Leaders are readers. And leaders are learners. They're people that are seeking knowledge. They're seeking wisdom. And if you're not spending time doing that, if you're not pouring anything new into yourself, then there's nothing new to give to other people. And don't underestimate people. I promise you, they recognize when you're functioning on past experience and memory and when you're functioning from a wellspring of joy and life and peace and hope of what God is currently doing in your life. People recognize those things. They do. They want something new and fresh in their life. What are, you function- are you functioning from a place of newness? You know, we, uh, we have all these. Uh, I, I would not be what you call a health nut, okay? When it comes to the food that I eat. Uh, I have very high metabolism. I'm thankful for that. I'm actually working out right now, and you don't even know it. It's, I'm, right now, this is what's happening inside me right now. <laughs> yeah. And I can do that when I'm sleeping. So, uh, but in terms of what I eat, uh, I love to eat. People don't think that's true, but I actually, you can eat and look like this. Um, I talk to people. I know people are, they look at me like this. Oh, I, I hate you. I, don't like you. Uh, I had ice cream last night at about 10.30. It was good. It was very good. <laughs> but I talk to people that are healthy all the time. And I say, oh, would you like, so, oh, I would never eat that. Oh, that's on gluten? No, I'm not going to eat that. Uh, question for you. What are you feeding your mind and your spirit? Because, you know, we go, oh, I would never eat that. And then we go and consume the most unhealthy things. We watch things. We listen to things. We click on things. We consume things that are so unhealthy. And we wonder why we're struggling to handle life. Health. We must be growing and increasing in our pursuance of righteousness and knowledge. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. So often we, we think the wise are coming to dictate and tell us what to do. Here, the wise are listening. They're adding to their learning. They let discernment come into their life. Here's the definition of what I'm looking at for increasing, always growing is this. It's the desire to grow, learn, master things, morph, discover, and the drive to become more than you are at any given moment. In your life, in your relationships, in your area of ministry, personally, spiritually, challenge yourself. Don't settle. Keep dreaming. Keep pursuing. Keep creating. And yes, keep learning. It's what I love about my dad. You know, dad is now 72 and still learning and growing. I'll be spending time with dad and he'll say, oh, Devin, you'll not believe what what God spoke to me this morning in my time with him. Always learning, something fresh. Don't you love having mentors like that? How, How about this? Wouldn't you like to be a mentor like that? Yeah, that someone looks to. I do. I want to be able to pour into the, the people's lives that I love, my wife, my children, the Timothys of my life. Because we're, if, not, if we're not increasing, we won't be able to do that. You know, the number one reason for the lack of growth in people's lives 
is the absence of joining forces outside of themselves that push them to grow. One, one simple way, one simple way you can measure this. You want to measure if you're growing, learn just one simple way and look at your appointments, look at your calendar and look at who you're spending time with. Are they people that challenge you? Are they people that cause you to think? Or are they people that suck the life out of you? You have faces coming into your mind right now. Are they people that they agree with everything you say? That, that they tell you what you want to hear? Or are they people that, that challenge you? I just want to look this morning as we talk about this idea of increase, always growing. Four simple ways to encourage growth in our lives. Four simple ways to encourage growth in our lives. Number one is this. Seek out and submit to people or mentors that are further down the road than you are. Seek them out and submit to them. This means that we have to allow someone to look at all that we're doing, our practices, our ignorances, our lack of ability, and be able to speak into those things. Now, what that requires is our willingness to be vulnerable and open. Being thin-skinned and unable to take feedback will deem a person unmentorable. Um, if you have the need to look good, mentoring will not work in your life. Because it requires you not looking good and coming clean with the areas where we need to grow. If we can't do that, we get stuck. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. Plans fail for a lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. I, I would encourage you to determine which mentors you need for certain areas of your life. I'm not talking about one person being the end-all, be-all in your life. I have mentors in my life that I look to for certain areas of my life. Spiritual growth, parenting, being a better husband, finances, people that God has blessed my life with that I can go to and say, hey, talk to me about that, and the wise listen. And they get guidance, right? Determine which mentors you need in your life. Number two, the other way to encourage growth in your life is this. Jump in over your head. <laughs> you say, that almost sounds contradictory. No, jump in over your head. I have spent my ministry life jumping way in over my head. Once you're in over your head, it doesn't matter how deep the water is. You're in over your head. You're in. People who grow try things that they cannot do. They just try things. They, they, they stretch to become able to do what they're attempting to do. They take on challenges that ask them to become something they've never been or do something they've never done. They do. The bar is raised and somehow, someway, they, they strain, they strive to, to jump higher. Here's, here's the rule. You will not grow without attempting things you are unable to do. You just won't. Try things that you've never been able to do. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul is writing here. He says this, So we have not stopped praying for you, this church there, since we first heard about you. And we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit 
All the while, listen to this, you will grow as you learn. Growth is happening while you're learning. In the process of learning, you're growing to know God better and better. Third way, to encourage growth in your life. Increase this uh, idea that we're always in this pursuance of growing is this. Rest and recreate. Uh, Obviously, this idea of Sabbath is not a new idea. It's a commandment, by the way. Uh, Rest means not producing. When something is not producing, though, it is regenerating. And while that is happening, good things are occurring to get it ready for the next production cycle. So, to to the same degree, you know, we, we often, within our society today and in the church, we celebrate the contradictory principle to that. We actually encourage to always be producing. Always be busy. In fact, we celebrate busyness. The the one that's the most busy is the most important. Right? And as a result, we find ourselves on perpetual output. Nothing new coming in. No time to rest and regenerate to make the future better. Create some space. In your life, rest, reflect, dream, imagine. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and as you take your yoke, his yoke upon you, listen, and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learning takes place as we're resting in him. I love, I love the way Eugene Peterson says that in, in the message, in his paraphrase. It says something like this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Aren't you thankful this morning it's not about religion? And Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. The inference there is that you've lost your life. Otherwise, it wouldn't need recovering. He says, watch how I do it. Walk with me and work with me and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Because I I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn, there's that word again, to live freely and lightly. Doesn't that sound welcoming to you this morning? I'm telling you, it's not a pipe dream. It's not just great verbiage from Eugene Peterson. That is the reality of the life that you can live. You have to rest, though. I love this out of the book Mark Buchanan wrote called The Rest of God. Listen to what he says here. Without rest, we miss the rest of God. The rest he invites us to enter more fully so that we might know him more deeply. Sabbath is both a day and an attitude to nurture such stillness. It is both time on a calendar and a disposition of the heart. It is a day we enter, but just as much as the way that we see life. Sabbath imparts the rest of God, actual physical, mental, spiritual rest, but also the rest of God, the things of God's nature and presence that we miss in our busyness. Rest and recreate. Finally, the fourth way to encourage growth in your life is this. Invest in the growth of others. Invest in the growth of others. So not only do you subject yourself, not only do you seek out and submit to mentors and people further down the road than you are, 
but you are also the one further down the road for someone else. You give away what you possess and you invest it into others becoming more. William Glasser says this, the best way to retain anything is to teach it. The best way. When you can teach it, you know it. Um, You know what I've found? The ability to mentor and disciple someone today requires your willingness to give them access to your life. More than a book, more than a curriculum, people simply want time into the real spaces of your life. Young men that I've mentored that grew up in broken homes that have no idea what a spiritual father, biological father looks like, they go, what does dinner time look like? What does it look like when you put your kids to bed at night? I say, you really want to know? Welcome to the craziness, my friend. Come on. (laughs) That's what you have to be willing to do if you're going to really mentor someone. And then when you do that, allow them to ask questions. Don't be defensive. It it could quite possibly be that God is going to use the mentee to teach you something. You might learn something from the mentee. Besides, you know, leadership that can't be questioned will quite often end up doing questionable things. Right? Right? Leadership that sets themselves up as the authority, the expert. Don't ever question me. They often do questionable things. I learn so much from the people that I'm mentoring, young people that I'm investing in. All of a sudden I go, wait, I thought I was supposed to be mentoring. You're teaching me some stuff here. It's important. Okay, number six, the last characteristic of integrity that we're looking out at this story of Exodus chapter 18 is this transcendence. Build for eternity. Connect authentically. Operate in reality. Results. Measure the outcomes. Engage the negative. Increase. Always be growing. And transcendence. Build for eternity. Build it to last beyond you. Having integrity means that you're building it beyond your presence. Exodus chapter 18 verse 21. Listen to what Jethro says to Moses. But select from all of the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes and have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide. Let them decide the smaller matters and they will help carry the load, making the task easier for you. What does Moses do? He selects and he trains leaders and then he releases them to do the work. This is empowerment. Ronald Reagan says this, a great leader is not the one who does great things. They're the one who gets others to do great things. Yeah? How many would like a president like that again? Okay, we're not going to start that. Okay. Back to Exodus chapter 18. What's he say? If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the process, the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. Isn't that an incredible promise? To be able to endure something lasting, something sustainable. Here's the question. Will your legacy endure? Will your ministry endure? 
Will it last beyond you? You are a steward of what God has given you, and it needs to last beyond you. You know, being around ministry and in full-time ministry now for almost 20 years, one of the things that I've seen, that I've recognized, is that we often find fulfillment and significance when we're needed by people. When people need us. We love it when people need us. And we love it when we're the only one that will suffice. And we set it up that way, and we set up our ministries that way. And someone calls us to come pray for them, and we say, well, I'll send so-and-so. And they go, no, you can't. Send. You, you have to show up and pray for me. We love being needed by people. And we secretly hope that it's not as good when we're not there. I'm just telling you. And we long for people to tell us how much they missed us. Oh, that feels so good. It was okay, but it wasn't as good as it would. We love that. And we end up creating codependent relationships. They can't function without our presence, our involvement, and we can't function without their constant praise and approval. It's a dysfunctional relationship. Some people as leaders, they want this dependence upon themselves. In fact, they're so insecure in their leadership because they want and long for dependency. And they, they walk around and say, boy, if something were to happen to me, this thing would go down like crazy. And they all, it's like a testimony. Listen, that is an integrity problem. Because it's not theirs. It's not mine. It's not yours. This is the, we're stewards of the Lord's ministry. What kind of stewards are we being if it's completely dependent upon us? As we continue to grow, I promise you, as this church continues to grow, as you continue to grow, this principle will become even more true. Um, how about for you parents in the room, what is, what is your lasting eternal legacy in your kids? What are you imparting to them? What, what eternal, lasting principle are you entrusting to them? Are you teaching them dependency upon God or you? Are you, are you modeling faith for them? What are you leaving behind? Every, every father should remember that, that one day his son will follow his example, not his advice. He will watch you. What are you leaving behind? Here's what I found. Even, even in this idea of mentoring and raising up leaders, we still have parameters. We're totally comfortable empowering people until we sense that their destiny supersedes our legacy. And then it stops. Because we're threatened by someone going beyond us. How, listen, how you cheer others running past you is one of the ways that God determines the pace that he allows you to run at. That determines that. There's no room for ego or jealousy in leadership. Saul would not fight Goliath, but then he wants to kill David, who was the best help he ever had. That doesn't make sense. Why? There's no room for ego or jealousy. I thought this was interesting. 429 of the original Fortune 500 companies in 1955 are no longer in business today. The majority of these companies had a difficult time 
transferring leadership to the next generation, they had a difficult time adapting, and in some cases, they refused to change. Here's the the principle. More will get done when we're not worried about who gets the credit. More will get done. We don't allow title or position to determine what we're willing to do. More will get done. So, we have to identify leaders uh, and their strengths. Because leadership is about empowering. Find places for people to serve that match their giftings. It doesn't have to look exactly how I would do it. Yes, leaders, they speak to potential. Yes, they have influence. But great leaders also allow people to be themselves. Yeah? People, people want to be mentored, not monitored. Right? Give them space to learn. Make mistakes. Dwight Eisenhower said this, you don't lead by hitting people over the head. That's assault, not leadership. (laughs) I love that. Why? Because you cannot threaten people into loyalty. That's earned. That's earned. Don't make it about you. It's something much bigger than you. Build your ministry, build your family, build your life with the end in mind because it will change how you live today. Build with transcendence. Thank God Moses learned this principle. He begins to invest into the life of Joseph. He invites him into the tent when he's spending time with God, learning God's decrees, learning God's instruction. He's empowering him. He's inviting him to have access to his life. Prior prior to this experience, Moses has an encounter with God where he once again questions his ability to handle what God is calling him to do. Uh, You remember, God appears in a burning bush that's not being consumed, and he speaks to Moses. Exodus chapter 4, look at Moses' response in verse 1. Then Moses answered and he said, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. And the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And Moses said, a staff. God Almighty speaks directly to Moses. Moses, he listens to the direct word of God, and then what's he do? He argues with God and says, I can't do what you're calling me to do. I don't have the ability to do what you're calling me to do. Have you ever noticed that God calls us to do things sometimes that we're not comfortable doing? Things that we feel so ill-equipped to accomplish. What I would say was, that's the perfect position to be in. God often wants to stretch us because he really does want to entrust more to us. He does. I find it ironic that Moses, his argument to God on why he won't be successful is because he is not good at speaking eloquently, but he's good enough to debate with God. Isn't that ironic? I can't go because I'm not good at talking to people, but I'm going to talk with you, God, and argue with you. Bottom line, God doesn't need our abilities. He needs our availability. He asks Moses a simple question. What do you have in your hand? It's interesting how we perceive what God has placed in our hands and how God sees what he's placed in our hands. 
If Moses only knew what God was going to do through that staff. Yeah? He struck the Nile and turned it into blood. He brought plagues of frogs out of the water. He stretched it toward heaven and brought down fire and thunder and hail. He divides the Red Sea. He struck a rock and brings water out of it. He held it high in the air and his warriors prevailed in battle. And to think Moses just called it a staff. It's just a staff. At the end of the day, our lives, your life, my life, is about stewardship. How well do we steward what God has placed in our hands? Not just our finances, our families, our relationships, our gifts, our abilities, our time, and yes, even the dreams that God is placing in your heart, you steward that dream. How, how well, if this is a word, how well have we been stewarding those things? Because at the end of the day, before I put my head down on the pillow at night, I have to be able to look at God and say, God, I'm doing my best with what you've entrusted to me. I'm being a good steward. And when we find ourselves in a place where we can't, with clear conscience, say that, we need to take an honest assessment of our lives, see what's missing. What is it that's disallowing you to pursue, fully embrace the potential, the dream that's in you? What is it? We have to take these gifts, these talents, the skills that God has given to us. Know what they are. Be good stewards of them. I'm convinced the only way to do that is with integrity. With integrity. Here they are. I, you know, it's a curse of pastors. It either has to start with the same letter or it has to spell out a word or something. So it's a curse that we all have. I apologize for that. But as we talked about these six principles, here, here's the acronym that I have in my own life. And that's why I can rattle them off so quickly because this has been a part of my life now for about seven or eight years. But this is the acronym. And it's simply this core it at your very core. These are the principles of integrity. Connect authentically. Operate in reality. Results. Measuring them, engage the negative, increase, always be growing, and build your life with transcendence. Build it for something bigger than you. Know that you're a part of something bigger than you. What? What do you have? What's in your hand? Where do you start? What's in your hand right now? Not, not what do you think you can do with what's in your hand. What's God placed in your hands and allow God to do what only God can do with what's in your hands? Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at 1030 a.m. right next to Wilson Central High School. Or check us out online at connectchurchtn.com. Thanks so much and have a blessed day.